0: I said, are you ready to hear the word? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, buddy. buddy. God bless you. I told the first service, isn't Pastor cute? I've never had a man call me cute. (laughs) Uh,
1: When I I get to be his age, I hope I'm that cute. Amen. No, I'm just teasing. (laughs) Turn to the person next to you, smile, and say, you are the best looking thing I've seen all day. Tell them you are hot. Tell them you smell good. Now, I do that because uh, hopefully you're sitting next to your wife or your husband. And if you're not, hopefully you're sitting next to someone you wish was your wife or your husband. And if you're not, you can come to third service and tonight at 630 and scope it out and sit in a good spot. Amen. I'm just trying to help you out. What an amazing time to be a Christian. I want you to join me in the book of the Revelation, the second chapter, starting verses one through seven. Every pastor knows, and every speaker, every preacher knows that God gives you, at times, message that would become a lifetime message, a prophetic message that speaks into the heart of God's people. Prophetic messages simply resonate in your heart And they begin to explain to you and resonate in you what God has already spoken according to his word. And I want you to join me in the book of the Revelation, chapter 2, John on the island of Patmos. He gives us an amazing, an amazing scripture. And it reads, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardship from my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place." But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, or the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Today, Americans are overloaded with information, and many are bored with it all. I grew up in a time when we only had maybe five or six channels on TV. And when the handle broke, you, had to, you put a monkey wrench on it, and you just turned it. There was no remote control in our house. Now, people have hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of channels, and you're bored with it all. And kids will say, well, there's nothing to watch on television. And I'll tell my kids, well, I remember when at 12 o'clock, everything turned off, and they played the national anthem. And my kids look at me and go, Dad, you're so 80s. Some of you are 60s and 50s, amen? And yet, many are bored with it all. There's a restlessness in the church. There's a restlessness in America. The average worker is brutalized just to make ends meet. The 40-hour work week is over, according to USA Today. USA Today says that statistics are showing the average American worker is working 60 hours a week. 60 hours, just to make ends meet. And the majority of people don't have one job, they have two or three. I've heard it said they don't have a work schedule, they have a life sentence. Understanding this, when they do come to church, and they come to the house of God, because they are hungry to hear from the Lord, it is the absolute responsibility of every preacher to have heard from heaven and deliver the word exactly as God has given it. Understanding that we are just the messenger and it's his word and his anointing that delivers the captives and sets people free. And there's a genuine hunger growing in the hearts of an end time generation. People are looking for a radical change in how they live. They're looking for a radical change in how they raise their children. They're searching for answers. While speaking in Orange Beach, Alabama at a national conference for a marriage conference, I went to the mall because my wife wasn't with me, and I went to the food court, and I was just praying, and I was sitting there in the food court, and I was eating, and there was a young woman on the other table. It was last October during the Benghazi trial. Remember, we went through Benghazi, and they had a huge television. It was playing the loop of what happened in the embassy in Benghazi, and this young lady was on her phone, and she says this, Mom, she's got four little kids with her, Mom, I can't believe you won't help me. I have no anchors. I'm drifting mom and tears are flowing I'm drifting I'm drifting and the Holy Spirit will choose the most practical everyday things to teach you the most prophetic truth and the Lord spoke to my heart he says Randy you are now called to preach and minister to a generation that has no morals ethics or integrity that America now is a nation at drift and they're looking for anchors they're looking for churches that will be anchor churches and families that will be anchored people. Nowadays, the days of now I lay me down to sleep and teaching our kids those little cute prayers are now gone, never to return to America again. Today you must lay your hands upon them and boldly proclaim, Devil, you keep your filthy, twisted hands off my sons and off my daughter in the name of Jesus the Christ. You plead the blood of Jesus over them. You invoke the power of the name of Jesus. You pray over them continually. And you never, never give up. Whether they live in your house or not. You never give up. There are times that I'll drive across town to where my son lives. He's 22. He's he's got his own place. And I'll just walk around that house and I'll just plead the blood. And there are times he'll look out the window at 2 o'clock in the morning and he'll just give me a thumbs up. And he just goes back to bed. Because he knows as a father, just because he's no longer in my house does not mean that my ministry or my priesthood has ended. And you keep pleading the blood. And you read the word. And you never give up. And so the modern day spirit-filled church could not be a sermon at three songs and let's go home. I believe that every church meeting must be an all-out attack upon the kingdoms of darkness. And what we used to call a holy night what we used to be classified as an awesome service. Today is a mandatory part of church life, coming to the altar as one body, hungry and broken, longing for the leading of the Holy Spirit, with our hands raised and our spirit soaring. You must have more joy and strength than the devil has fear. You must have more Holy Spirit power and fortitude than the destructive nature of modern-day America. And we used to teach in the past, the only way to receive that joy and strength, that Holy Spirit power and fortitude, was to come in mass to the old-fashioned altar and tarry for the anointing of God. The word tarrying is an antiquated phrase. It simply means a romancing and an expectancy. Oh, we all understand romance. But when's the last time you romanced the Holy Spirit? He is a person. Just like you and I are people, he has a personality. To rob him of his personality is to rob him of his personhood. He has a personality. And you come to the altar with the mentality that says, Lord, if you heal me, that's wonderful. If you choose to do a miracle in my marriage, that's great. If you heal me of the cancer or the leukemia, Lord, if you choose to do that, oh, I'll be thankful. But if you choose to do nothing at all, I simply want to be in your presence. I simply want to hunger for more of you. Several years ago, President Bush landed on the USS Enterprise, and he hopped out of that plane, and all of the news media was there, and they were interviewing a young sailor who was just beaming. And they asked him, you seem so happy. He said, yes. Did you get a chance to meet the president? He said, no, sir. Did you get close to him? He said, no, sir. Well, did you even get a glimpse of him as he passed by? He said, no, the crowds were too big and I couldn't even see him. And so they said, so why is it that you're so excited? And that young man looked astonished. He looked at that reporter and he said, sir, just being in his presence is good enough for me. Just being in his presence. And again, if you are sensitive to the voice of God, he will teach you the most prophetic truths through everyday experiences. And the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, you know, I hope my people feel the same way. Just being in his presence is good enough for me. By an upraised hand, how many say, that's me, Randy. I just want to be in his presence. I'm just hungry for more of him. And I'll never forget growing up in church, it was an amazing sight. Everyone would come to the altar, the the deacons and the elders and the ushers and even every family sitting in the pew. I don't know if you've ever met someone that when they walked in, the atmosphere changed. But when Mother Pearson walked in, she had twisted fingers and she had very large ankles and knees from arthritis. She had a bump in her back and she walked with a walker. She would come down the center aisle of our church and she would lean up against the pillar that held up the balcony and she always said the same thing, Holy Spirit, I'm coming. The Spirit is willing, but this old tired flesh is weak. And as I told you earlier, I would sit in the back with my girlfriend, now my wife, and you would feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not like he wasn't there But it's like when she arrived, it got turned up several notches. She would come to the altar and she would go all the way to the other side and they would lay her on the other side of the altar. They would say, Mother Pearson, why don't you come to the front? She'd say, oh, no, baby, I don't want to rob God of any of his glory. And She'd go all the way to the other side and they'd lay her prostrate. The Greek word proskania, where we get our English word prostrate. And there would come a sound out of her, the likes I'll never forget as long as I live. It wasn't real loud. It wasn't scary. It was, oh. and, and something would begin to pull me. She had no idea that at 14, 15, and 16 years old, she was having an influence upon me by simply her power of her prayers. The crying out to God, and she would say, Holy Spirit, while others now are calling, do not pass me by. I grew up in a time where they came to the altar with an expectancy. An expectancy that said, Lord, I just want more of you. And now it seems that I'm called to preach to a generation that has relegated the altar to the sick, the sinner, and the hurting. And they sit back and say, Well, I'm not sick, and I'm not a sinner, at least I'm not near as bad as that person over there, because I know them. And, and I'm not hurting, so I'm not going to the altar. Listen, friend, yes, you come when you're sick. Yes, you come when you're a sinner. And yes, you come when you're hurting. But, how the main reason you come to the altar is you need more of Jesus. You need more of Jesus. This is the age of the supernatural. You will either experience and move with the power of God, or you'll experience and move with the powers of hell, but you shall experience the supernatural. You cannot bury your head in the sand as a proverbial ostrich and hope that it passes you by. And nowadays it seems that the congregations, they just sit back and we've limited the intimacy of the altar across America, and a generation doesn't know it anymore. And again, the main reason you're going to come to this altar is you're hungry for more of Jesus. Because understand, something happens in the body life of the church when as one bride, one church body, we come in mass saying, Lord, we want to touch the hem of your garment. We want to look into your eyes in prayer. We're coming in the same manner that Daniel and Elijah and Ezekiel. As they came, I'm coming as well, Lord, because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's a special flame that comes out of a church when the people are constantly in the altar of God, asking for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want to speak to you about that lampstand. When I read Revelation 2, 1 through 7, it brought to mind all the awesome, powerful things that I have seen as a child growing up in church. My grandmother would say, Mijo, we're going to church. And I'd say, Grandma, you don't drive she said, that's okay, we're going to church. And she would take me down to the corner to wait for the bus to drive to the church. And the whole way there, she's saying, just wait till you get there, you're going to feel it. And I'd say, feel what? She said, just wait till you get there, you're going to feel it. And she would sing in Spanish and then in English and a heavenly language. For those of us who are Puerto Rican, we believe that the heavenly language is Spanish. But <laughs> she would say, just wait till you get there, you're going to feel it. And then she would sing all the hymns of the church. She would sing, there's room at the cross for you. Just wait till you get there, you're going to feel it. There's room at the cross for you. Just wait till you get there, you're going to feel it. I'd say, feel you know what? She said, don't worry. We'd get on the bus and she'd start singing, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Now everyone was staring at the crazy Spanish lady with the little boy. She didn't care. She would just start singing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Our stop would come and she would turn and she'd say, who wants to go to church? And there was always someone that wanted to go to church because the anointing that was flowing on that bus. And she dragged me down the street and she'd say, baby, just wait till you get there. You're going to feel it. And I'd say, feel what? She said, don't worry, when you get there, you're going to know. And we'd walk into the church, always late, because Grandma was preaching on the bus. And she would say, don't worry, you're going to get there. And as far as I was concerned, we had the praise and worship and the preaching and the altar call, amen? We just needed the offering to pay for the bus ride. And we'd go sit way up on the balcony, and she would say, baby, do you feel it? i said, say, yeah. What is it? And she would say, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit, she'd get down on my level and she'd say, mijo, it's the same power that invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and raised to life again the three-day dead body of the Lamb of God. And then she would say this, but your salvation is not based on feeling. Your salvation is based on grace. But isn't it good to feel the moving power of the Holy Spirit of God? And I'd say, yes, yes. And that church that we would go to was called Angelus Temple. It was founded by Amy Simple McPherson. 12,000 members. They reached movie stars and professional athletes. And there wasn't a nation in the world whose spiritual leader, at not one time or another, had gone to that church in Los Angeles. They would have Holy Spirit meetings with the likes of Catherine Kuhlman and Oral Roberts. And my grandmother and my family and I would go and sit in the tangible presence of God. And I believe God put in the middle of that church a lampstand like what is mentioned in Revelation chapter 2. The lampstand is a privileged position before God where Jesus walks among you. A church is not great because of its building or its talent or its ability to put amazing programs that wow their congregation. Those are all wonderful man-created functions that I believe God will use. However, what makes a church truly great is Christ himself. The word Christ means the Christos, the anointed one with the anointing. Christ, the anointed one, is hovering over the babies in the nursery. He's moving through the cafeteria. He's moving over every single one of us. He is getting the glory. He is bringing the healing. It's Jesus who brings the greatness. If you believe that, give me a resounding amen. And the Bible said that Jesus walked among the seven lampstands of the churches that were privileged to be given the gift. And here is what a lampstand does. It immediately makes a church visible and viable to an entire region, and the message that goes out from that church is simple. The glory of God resides here. While in prayer, the Lord spoke to my heart that that's exactly what He wants to do in Bethlehem. He wants to set a lampstand down greater than you've ever seen. He wants to make you a regional church. That's why he's placed you here, a church to the nations. He's longing for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow in this place. And a lampstand says the glory of God resides here. And this church in Los Angeles, the lost came and sought them out, getting saved in a record number. Thousands would be radically transformed, then baptized in water. And for years, the glory cloud hovered over that congregation. The saints who birthed the power through prayer began to pass on to their great reward. And God began to warn a new generation to return back to what made them great. He warned about pride, secret sin, arrogance, and losing their first love. He would send evangelists and different pastors and prophetic preaching. But the church leadership would not have anything to do with the warnings. They were basking in their momentum. They were living in the pride of the past. And the Lord removed the lampstand. And it's an ugly feeling to own a huge auditorium a mass facility that used to house 12,000 praising people to now only have 400. Where once the fire of God was, spiritual cobwebs were standing. What a horrible reminder. What used to be an amazing altar was now a mausoleum. And for many, many years, the church sat silent. Only a memory of their once- glorious past, until Tommy and Matthew Barnett came from Phoenix, Arizona. Pastor Barnett, pastor's first assembly in Phoenix, a church of well over 12, 13,000 people, and the Lord called them there to Los Angeles, and they bought the Queen of Angels Hospital, and they reopened Angeles Temple, and they began the Dream Center, and now the Lord again has placed a lampstand in the middle of that church, and thousands are being saved, delivered, and healed for the glory of God. They're training people off of the streets. They literally have a place where you can get your GED, and they're training preachers and pastors and evangelists. Friends, when Jesus uses the words first love in Revelation 2 and 4, he's not speaking about the immature love that we all experience when we first receive our salvation. No, rather the original language from the Aramaic to the Greek, it translates first love into the word exclusive love exclusive love one of man's greatest difficulties is trying to understand what god really means and so the lord allows certain things into your life so that you can begin to understand how he feels he allows trials and situations to come into your life so you understand how he operates and that explains why some of you would say well pastor why does god allow Bad things to happen to good people so that you can understand him. How does a heavenly God show the church exclusive love? He goes to a mighty man and he says, Hosea. Yes, Lord. Hosea, I know you want a bride. Oh, yes, Lord, I want a godly woman. Okay, Hosea, I've got your your wife for you. Just follow me, son. Come on, follow me. Lord, this is the red light district. Lord, I'm a godly man. I know, Hosea, I've got your wife for you. Well, where is she, Lord? She's the one waving at all the men when they go by. Lord, that's a prostitute. That's a common street walker. In our language, the language of the streets that's a, that's a whore. Lord, how, how would you have a holy man marry a prostitute? Because, Hosea, when you struggle to love someone that really doesn't love you, and when she embarrasses you, Hosea, with her habits and her hobbies, and the only time she is with you, she's always looking at her watch, wondering when she can leave to go where her heart really lies. And she only visits your house once a week out of obligation. And every time she's in your house, even though you are meeting her needs, even though you are taking care of her, even though you redeem her time after time after time, because remember, he redeemed Gomer not just once or twice from the slave table, but he took her many times. And Hosea, when you struggle to love someone and they embarrass you and they cause you to weep and they cause you to grieve and they cause you to hurt, then, Hosea, you'll understand what it is for a holy God to love you and the church. Exclusive love. It is significant to note that these Christians at Ephesus had walked closely with the Lord. The Apostle Paul compliments them at length in Ephesians 1 and 19, addressing them as the faithful in Christ Jesus, blessed in all spiritual blessing in heavenly places with Christ, chosen before the foundation of the world. He even says in Ephesians 2, 5, and 6, they were quickened with Christ, that they were Christ's workmanship. Wow. 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 See, when we say the word wow, we think, well, that's pretty cool. But when the Lord refers to a wow, it's a wonder of wonders to know that the wonder of wonders is he still loved them. What a description of a blessed holy people. And when I read of Jesus walking among such well-taught believers as the Ephesians and saying, I have something against you, I've got to be honest, it grips my heart. Then I must ask the Lord, Do you have something against me? Have I lost my first love my exclusive love for you. One writer puts it this way. He said, Jesus is saying, it's not enough for you to be a caring, giving, diligent servant who grieves over sin and preaches truth. It's not enough for you to uphold moral standards, enduring suffering for Christ's sake, or possibly be burned at the stake for your faith. This is all a part of taking up your cross and following Jesus. And you can do all these things in Christ's name. But if in the process of them your affection for Jesus is not increasing. If he's not becoming more and more the one delight of your heart, then you have lost your exclusive love. And if you claim to have the fire of God and yet Jesus is no longer the center of your life, he will take every bit of light that you have, no matter how many good works you do for him, you will no longer be his witness. He simply won't recognize anything you do because you've lost your love for him. This morning, I believe the Spirit of God is calling us back to our exclusive love. Revelation 2 and 5 says, remember the height from which you have fallen and repent, and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You'd be amazed how many emails I get on a weekly basis from churches all over the country and people who will say, Pastor, would you please pray my daughter can't sleep at night? And I'll say, really? Really? Why is that? Well, I don't know. And I'll email back, well, what is she doing prior to going to bed? Well, she's reading books. What is she reading? Well, Twilight, True Blood, Harry Potter. And I'll email back, are you ignorant or stupid? Because stupid is as stupid does. Ignorant is you don't know better. Stupid is you just do things because you like it. Remember the height from which you have fallen. And I would venture to say that probably 10 to 20% of the people that I speak to across the country, in conferences and in churches, 10 to 20 are dabbling in the things of a culture, and they know they shouldn't be doing it, but they do it anyway because they like it. And then they'll say, well, why can't I sleep? Why is there such struggle in my home? Why aren't there such turmoil? Listen, friend, lawyers will tell you that there is a legal name called legal ground or intrusion. Intrusion is when the enemy comes into your house, a robber, and he kicks in the door. Then you can call the police and you can say, there's someone here illegally. I want you to come and arrest him. And they come and they arrest that person and take them away. That's intrusion. As a child of God, when the devil intrudes on your life, you can stand and you can begin to come against him in the resources of spiritual warfare, which is the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the power of the word and the power of the cross. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. There's forgiveness in the name of Jesus. However, you cannot use the resources if the devil is there legally. Well, how do I allow the devil legally into my home? By the things you watch? By the music you listen to? Well, it's just entertainment. You're opening, literally, the door to a culture. And I've got to ask, have you opened a door to a culture that is completely anti the things of God? Remember the height from which you have fallen and repent and do the things you did at first. And friend, I believe that just like churches, there are families and individuals that are given a lampstand. I don't know about you, but I've had lampstand people in my life, Gladys Pearson and I told you, that would come to the altar of God, and she would cry out to God, and she was an influence. Even though she was quite a bit older, even though we never spent any time outside of church, she was an influence in my life. By an upraised hand. How many of you say, Pastor Randy, I've had people who were lampstand people in my life, and because of them, I'm serving God right now. Come on, raise your hand right now. Look at that. Even in the balcony, all over. Lampstands. God places in your life a lampstand. And because of that, you give your life to Christ. And there's no doubt in my mind. That God wants to place a lampstand of his influence in every single child of God, that they would be used to be a lampstand to a neighborhood. That they'd be used to be a lampstand to a family. But listen very carefully. God also chooses a nation to carry the lampstand. And he tells that nation, as long as you are faithful and obedient and righteous, I will put a lampstand in your nation and you will be the seat of Christianity to all the world. It all started the moment the Apostle Paul was born again. His life was summed up in the city of Rome. Did you know that Rome was the first lampstand or candlestick nation to the world? The book of Romans shows the heart of the Apostle and the passion of the Apostle greater than anything he ever wrote. Italy was the first lampstand of Christianity to the world. Then the lampstand was moved by God to London, England. At one time in history, the British sent powerful missionaries around the world. They had Bible colleges that bulged with mighty preachers and teachers that were sent to India and Africa and Asia and the Philippines, the Pacific Islands and the Netherlands. There wasn't a nation in the world that they did not touch. And just as they had been imperialistic in conquering nations, they also became and they spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. But at the close of every century, something strange begins to happen to that lampstand nation. History tells us the last decade of every century has repeatedly run the same course. 1790 to 1800, 1890 to 1900, 1990 to the year 2000, 2000 to 2010 and now 13 by the grace of God has been the peak of immorality in world history and now in American history. And I began to study what were the causes that caused God to take the lampstand out of that place and put it someplace else. Dr. David McKenna, after studying Roman England and now present day America, has isolated five telltale signs that God is about to remove his hand off of that nation and place it someplace else. Listen very carefully. First sign, the system of justice and criminal law breaks down and the legal system collapses under the weight of all the cases they must try. Hmm. Two, politicians become absolutely indistinguishable from each other. The people feel there is no longer a clear choice in leadership, so they no longer cast a vote. Three, The wealth is inordinately transferred to an elite group so the government steps in and redistributes the wealth, causing heavy imbalances in the financial system. Four, immorality becomes pandemic. You say, what does that mean, pastor? It means right becomes wrong, wrong becomes right, black becomes white, white becomes gray. There's no longer no morals, no ethics or integrity. We now have a generation that says, so I sleep with my girlfriend, it's no big deal. So I cheat on my wife, so I cheat on my husband. Okay, so legally I've allowed the culture of the world to influence me and the church is no longer influencing the culture. Number five, the church becomes lethargic and inward, losing its influence in the mainstream culture. Over 200 years ago, England relinquished the lampstand as the seat of Christianity, and it moved west to the United States of America. And America became a great nation not because of our money or our talent or our ingenuity or our determination or our politics, but because we, as a nation, took the gift of God, the lampstand, and we said, "Lord, we will be the missionary nation to the world." We will not be ashamed to proclaim the greatness of our God for the four corners of our planet. And America, we have eclipsed by the grace of God all that England has ever achieved. For their great John Wesley, the Lord has given us Charles Finney. For their Charles Spurgeon, the Lord gave us Dr. D.L. Moody. The Southern Baptists showed the world the first systematic approach to evangelizing every nation under the sun. And they made a commitment in 1907 to evangelize the world. And 40 years later, 70 years later, God gave them Dr. Billy Graham. Talk about a voice. Talk about a lampstand. We've seen Pentecost birth at a place called Azusa, California where a one-eyed black preacher who couldn't get into many white churches, a man by the name of William Seymour came to an old warehouse, a barn, and the power of Pentecost hit that place. Blinded eyes were opened. The deaf began to hear. The lame began to walk. The dumb began to talk. It had a major influencing in the birthing of the assemblies of God, the church of God in Christ, the church of God, and the Four Square Movement. As people were jumping out of wheelchairs and blinded eyes were opening, the people all looked to the pulpit. They were looking for Pastor Seymour. And they were saying, Pastor, there's miracles happening, but we can't find you. And he was laying in the altar with his head in a shoebox. And they said, Pastor, we're looking to the sacred desk to find the mighty man of God. And William Seymour said, "Child." In a true move of God, man, in their inadequacies, looks to the sacred desk to find the mighty man of God. But in a true move of God, there is no such thing as a mighty man of God, only a man that serves a mighty God. That is a lampstand. And that is what God is looking for in this place. But we are now walking down the same road that Rome and England walked just prior to losing the lampstand. History gives us the next warning sign. In the late 18th century, just prior to England losing the lampstand, more people were going to seances and interested in the things of the supernatural than they were in attending church. It's amazing how a Christmas tree, Christmas carols, and Old Holy Night in an old little town of Bethlehem are offending this generation. Yet our public education system says you have to be tolerant of all world religions, but Christianity is the only one that seems to be overtly offensive. Why is that? I'll tell you why it is. Because he is the only one. He is the Messiah. He is the Alpha and the Omega he is the beginning and the end. He is the lily of the valley and the bright in the morning star. He is still the fairest of 10,000. He's still the seawalker and the blind healer. He still is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and all of hell will come against it. But I'm here to tell you the day is coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord according to the glory of God the Father. In the city of London, just prior to them losing the lampstand, 60,000 prostitutes were operating in the city. The church was abandoned. Morals were gone. Meanwhile, men like Whitfield and Wesley were preaching in America. And the lampstand moved west. Friend, I want you to glue your eyes right here. People are in love with the supernatural. The internet has brought the spirit of the prostitute right into the homes of millions of Americans, and the church has sat idly by, afraid to speak the truth to an entire generation of young people because we're so afraid of offending somebody. I beg to differ with you. I want you to know it's okay to be young, and it's okay to be cool, and it's okay to have fun with your friends, but... Friends, the Apostle Paul said, if I don't preach the gospel at the very point that the devil is attacking at this juncture in history, then I have truly not brought the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people that are sitting here that you're saying, why do I feel so empty? Why do I feel so disconnected? And I'll look at them and I'll say, well, are you involved in a physical affair or a physical relationship with someone that's not your husband or wife? Well, yes, pastor. Listen, the payoff to sexual purity is not that you'll get you won't get sexually transmitted disease, or we can't teach them anymore that don't have that kind of thing because you'll get pregnant, because they don't care. It's a generation of no morals, ethics, or integrity. Now the payoff to sexual purity, and Miha, you hear me, is wholeness with yourself, a whole gift to give to God, and a whole gift to give to somebody else. That when God finally brings that person into your life that you've dreamed about. There's no comparison to anybody else. You say, well, wait a second. Is it possible to get that? Yes, because when you give somebody your life, you give them pieces of yourself. And the only way to get those pieces back is to come to an altar of God and say, Lord, I want my pieces back. I want healing. I want deliverance. I want God to do something mighty in my life. And I believe that God does something called secondary virginity. Now, there might be some saying, well, wait a second. This is no place to talk about that stuff. Again, I beg to differ. I've got to go right where the devil is attacking. And the Bible tells us that God longs to heal. Is this the year and the decade that we will watch God pick up the lampstand out of America and set it in Asia? Asia is showing all the life and all the sign that we had 200 years ago when we received the lampstand. Did you know that there's a church in Seoul, Korea, led by Dr. David Yonggi Cho, that are winning more people to Christ than actually they're birthing babies into the population? The church is 800,000 strong, and they're praying 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, for God to make them the lampstand. I am told the greatest growing church right now is an underground church in mainland China. They are exploding in record numbers despite all the attempts of the communist government to try and stop the tidal wave of revival that's sweeping across. Africa and Haiti, in the midst of their pain and heartache and suffering, are experiencing right now massive revival. And they're crying out. They're saying, Lord, send the lampstand here. Meanwhile, the church in America doesn't know if we really want it. Because it says, but you have this in your favor, you hate the doctrine of the Nicolosaeans, which I also hate. You say, well, pastor, what is the doctrine of the Nicolosaeans? The doctrine of the Nicolosaeans is simple. It means simply having faith means God really doesn't care how I live. I can just show up to church once a week, maybe put a little offering in, but God doesn't care how I live. God doesn't care what I do. All he cares about is me showing on the outward appearance that I love him. If that's the case, friend, you've lost your exclusive love for him you've lost it. And I believe with all my heart that God wants to put a lampstand down in your home. I believe with all my heart that God wants to put a lampstand in this church. He wants to make you visible and viable to an entire region. The question is, how bad do you want it? The question is, are you willing to pay the price? And the question is, are you willing to say, Holy Spirit, Bethlehem is ready. We haven't seen anything yet. And we're longing for the outpouring of a Holy Spirit to an end time generation. Would you stand all over the room? Get ready. Get ready. Father, I pray right now under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that literally hundreds of your children would say, Lord, would you set the lampstand in my life? I want my pieces back. In fact, if you want the lampstand in operating in your life, I want you to lift your hands right now all over this room. Just lift them. I want it, Lord. I want it, Lord. Now, right now, just begin to cry out to God and say, Lord, I need you like I've never needed you before. That's it. You tell them, I need you more than I've never needed you before, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Father, would you set a lampstand down in Bethlehem? And Lord, we won't touch the anointing. Lord, we won't reignite the passion, Lord. Reignite the flame, Father. Reignite the anointing of God in my life. Let me be a lampstand, Father, to my city. Let me be a lampstand, Lord, to my family. Lord that I would fall in love with Jesus all over again. If that's you, then at the count of three, I want you to come from the balcony. I want you to come from the cafe. If you're sitting right now in Farmingdale, I want you right now at the count of three to respond to that altar right where you are. And if you're longing for God to use you right there where you are, right with Pastor Pete. Pete, go to the altar, wait for him right there. Go stand right there, Pete, and wait for him because they're coming. They're about to run to the altar of grace. And I only want you to come to the altar if you're hungry for more of Jesus. If he heals you, that's fine. If he chooses to do something mighty in your life, that's fine. But the main reason you're about to come is you're saying, I need him. I need more of Jesus. I'm longing for him. I'm longing for him to set a lampstand down. Father, in the name of Jesus, according to your written word, I plead the blood. At the count of three, if that's you, then you start to come. You run to him. You run to him. They're coming already. One. Don't miss it. Two. Three, come right now. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Just come right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Lord, I'm longing for the lampstand. Lord, I'm just hungry for more of you, Lord. Sing it, bro. In the name of Jesus. Grab me in your arms. If you're in Farmingdale, you run to the altar. If you're in the cafe, you come on up. We're going to wait for you.
0: There That's
1: it. Just keep coming.
0: Yes, God. Who loves me
1: that's it, keep coming Lord, I'm longing for the lampstand I want my pieces back, Lord
0: me in I'm
1: longing, Lord Now you pray out to God and tell him how much you love him
0: that how is the place in Jesus where I'm sure and that's where I Jeez. belong They're still coming Take me to that place, Lord Take me to that place, Lord To that secret place where I can be with you Jeez. You can make me lie wrap me in your arms 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 wrap me in your arms
1: They play softly. I want you to lift your voice and don't get quiet on me now. And you just say, Lord, if you set the lampstand down in my house, I'll carry it. You tell them how much you love him. You ask for the fire of God to burn away all the things. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray and I rebuke the powers of hell. I rebuke the powers of hell, Lord, that you would open the eyes of a people that they would see their need for a savior, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Call your loved ones by name right now. Call them by name. Call your wife by name. Call your husband by name. Call your children by name. Call your neighborhood by name. Call the street where you live by name before God and say, Lord, if you would set a lamp, stand down. Father, we pray for this Camp Bethlehem Church, Lord. We pray for all of the churches, Father. Lord, in the name of Jesus, may the anointing of the Holy Spirit begin to set ablaze a congregation. Lord, burn in us, Father, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hold on, musicians, hold on, hold on, hold on. Without any music, you lift your voice right now, right now, right now. That's it. You lift your voice.
0: Jesus. Pray out
1: loud in the name of Jesus. Lord, for healing in my marriage, for healing in my home. Lord, I repent. I close the door, Lord, to a culture. I close the door, Lord. Some of you are going to have to repent and clean out your DVD closet. Some of you are going to have to repent and say, Lord, forgive me for allowing a spirit into my home that now my children are wrestling with. In the name of Jesus. I praise your name, Lord. I praise your name, Lord. If you're in this room, don't stop praying. If you're in this room and you say, I feel disconnected, I want my pieces back. I've given parts of my life over and I want my pieces back. I want to be a whole person again. If that's you, just begin to wave your hand right now. Just begin to wave, Lord, I want my pieces. I, I, I'm longing for more. That's it. Father, I pray right now, in the name of Jesus, that under the authority of the Holy Spirit, you would begin to heal broken lives. We surrender, Lord. We surrender, Lord. Lord, reignite a passion. Lord, reignite my heart. In fact, audibly cry out, Lord, I want my exclusive love with you. That exclusive love. Father, forgive me for allowing other things to take that place. Lord, there's a lampstand that is being set down in this church. There's an anointing that's being set here. In fact, there's a spirit of intercession that's about to be birthed a fresh and new right now in this service. There's a spirit of intercession. There's a deep groaning of the spirit in the name of Jesus. In the
0: name of Jesus. Give me faith to trust what you say. Yes, Lord. That You're good. Your love is great. I'm altar workers singing the movie. You're an altar inside, worker. Just going to lay hands on people I all around you. You're going to pray that a lampstand
1: be sent in their home. Oh, church, lift your voice. Give me faith in the name of Jesus. To trust what You say. Lord, for healing in her heart, and for healing. Hey, now, lift your hand. That's it. Just lift your, your hand. That's it. Yes, right made. there. Lift your hand. In the name of Jesus. I'm I can't side, get to her. Hold on, John. Hold on. Hold on, John. I can't get to her right there. Sir, turn around. Turn around. Lay your hands on that. lady lady right behind you. Yes. Right in the in the blue. Lay your hands on those ladies right there. I need a woman that knows how to pray to lay hands. Folks, don't make me beg. I need someone moving right there. There's an anointing of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. That's it. Ladies, move to him quickly. Miha, lift your hands right now. That's it. That's it. Now sing it, Josh. Lay hands. Father, I pray under the anointing that you would open her eyes for the need.
0: Jesus.
1: I'm sorry. Hold on. There, is a, there, are, there are people in this room right now, you've been playing games with God, you've grown up in church, you've grown up around this stuff, and to you it's no big deal. And now you're, you're literally sleeping with people who are not your husband or wife. And you're attracted to people. And you sit back in church and you cross your arms and you go, yeah, this is crazy. And God is telling you this is your hour, this is your time. If you're here right now and you say, Randy, I want my pieces back and I want God to bring me a holy, godly person that I would finally be able to be married to and wash my mind of all other relationships and heal me, Father. If that's you, please, no one else looking around. I just want you to lift your hands and say, Lord, if you'll set that lampstand down in my life, that's it. Lift your hand. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. it. Lord, I pray for healing. Sing it, Josh. I pray for healing. That's it. You lift your hands and you repent. If you have the gift of a prayer language, use it right now. It'd be perfectly appropriate because people are fighting eternally right now. And the Bible says, "He who speaks in an unknown tongue, it is he who speaks to God." So you just lift your voice and cry out to God. In the name of You. In the name of Jesus. To open my eyes Lord, we find the works of the enemy. We find the works of an enemy, Lord, that they would see their need for a Savior, Lord. The ones who have grown up in church, Father, who are playing games with God. And the risk of losing the hand of God, the risk of, Lord, don't, don't lift your hand. Now somebody cry out to God for America. Somebody cry out to God for America. Somebody pray for the Congress. Somebody pray for the Senate. Somebody pray for our president. Somebody pray right now for the mayor. Somebody cry out to God for a city. In the name of Jesus, that Lord, the glory of God would reside here, Singapore, the glory of God would reside here. We pray for Valley Stream, Lord. Father, we pray for Habitraal. We pray, Father, for all boroughs for in New York. We pray for Long Island, Father. May the fire of God get whole of a nation, Lord.
0: Your love is great. In the name of Jesus. In the
1: name I'm broken of
0: Jesus. In the name inside. I In the name of, life. of Jesus. That's
1: it. Don't stop.
0: I need you. Jesus. To Jesus. my heart. Jesus. Nothing apart. Power. I need you, you, it. you to pierce the through the dark oh. and cleanse every part of me. Oh. it. Don't stop. just what you say. See that you're good. Repent. Your love is Ignite great. a passion in me Lord as I repent.
1: I'm broken
0: on, inside. I give you my life.
1: I want you to look this way. Our lead pastor is going to come and he's going he's gonna to pray over you. I'm going to turn the service to him, but I want you to look this way. The minister in me wishes I can keep you here all day. How many can just sense an awesome presence of God in this place? I want to invite you back tonight at 630. And I want you to bring somebody with you. And tonight, I'm going to teach you on the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. That he wants to fall in this place like rain and what it means. That he wants to manifest in your life like rivers of living water. And I'll explain to you what it means scripturally. That he wants to come as the new wine. <laughs> he wants to come as fire. He wants to manifest in your life as oil. He said, well, what does that mean according to scripture? You come tonight and there'll be no time schedule in the altar. Pastors assured me that we'll just be able to just allow God to be God. But right now, as your pastor comes, would you just lift your hands one more time? And for the next 30 seconds, as he leads us in prayer, would you pray, Lord, would you set a lampstand down in our church? Would you make us the regional church that we know God is calling us? Pastor, please come.
0: Come on, let's just raise our hands towards heaven. Come on, let's just cry out to God. God's doing something in this place today. Hallelujah. Come on, just cry out to God. and Say, God, make us a lamb stand." Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fill us, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit today. Let your fire fall, God. Let your fire fall in this place, Lord. Hallelujah. I just sense God coming. His anointing is here. His presence is here. Take it. Just take it. Say, thank you, Jesus, for your anointing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your anointing. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're going to sing that song, Wrap Me in Your Arms, again. But before we sing it, God spoke to me this morning. Listen to me. Look at me. God spoke to me this morning. And a lot of us, we are trying to serve God in our own strength. We're trying to serve God by trying harder in the flesh. But, you know, I've learned the secret. Listen to me. I've learned the secret of loving God, having that exclusive love for God, that first love for God. The secret is asking God to put a fire in our belly. Come on, somebody. To put a fire inside of us. Moses comes. He bows before the fire, the bush, that burning bush. And he hears a voice. And then Jesus comes and he says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you you shall receive fire you'll see you'll receive power that fire is going to burn inside of you and so you need to ask God right now God put the fire back in my belly put the fire back in my bosom God give me a fire deep down inside Like Jeremiah said, God, if I don't serve you, if I don't love you, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. Uh, Paul the Apostle said, fan into flame the fire that's within you. And I'm telling you today that God wants to put a fire inside of you so that when you start to go the wrong way, that fire will burn inside and you'll say, I can't get away from the fire. The fire keeps on convicting me. The fire keeps on bringing me back to where I need to be. So I want you to pray right now. God, put a fire in my belly again, God. Put a fire in my life. Come on, come on. Pray it out loud. Put a fire in me, God. Put a fire in me, God. Relight me, God. Relight me, God. Come on, say, relight me, God. Relight the flame. You see, there's a flame inside of every one of us. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called passion for God. It's called a first love relationship with God. But you and only you can ask God to relight that flame, to relight that fire inside of you. So I want you to raise your hand and say, God, relight the flame inside of me, Lord. Keep it burning bright, God. And every day, God of my life, keep it burning so hot, Lord God, that I'll love you with such passion. And if I don't do your will, God, let it be like a fire. Shut up in my bones. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just ask him. God, put the fire in me today. Put the fire in me today. See, some of you are struggling with sin, all kinds of sin in your life. It's because you don't have fire in your heart. It's because you don't have fire in your life. But when the fire comes, as Jesus said... The Holy Spirit will baptize you with fire. Hallelujah. And when the fire comes, He purifies your motives. He purifies your thoughts. Glory to God. He purifies your life. So God say, I can't do it on my own, God. Lord, I can't stop thinking about this person. I can't stop thinking about this sin in my life. But God, you can burn it out of me, God. Lord, you can purify my life. Come on, raise your hand and say, purify me, Lord. And set the fire in my heart. Glory to God. Thank you Jesus wrap me in your arms God wrap me in your arms God wrap me in your arms 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 you lord father we thank you this morning that god you're doing the work in this place lord lord we thank you god that you're reviving our hearts today god and lord this is not just once in a lifetime but this is every day lord that we pray god that rivers of living water will live inside of us lord god that we would give up control god That we would stop trying to control the situation, God. But Lord, that we would simply come and surrender ourselves to you, God, once again, God. The Lord Jesus, we would die to our passions, that we would die to ourselves, and we would put King Jesus on the throne where he belongs. And that, Lord God, when we put King Jesus on the throne where he belongs, then you will send the power of your Holy Spirit, and the power of your Holy Spirit will put a fire in our bosom. And so that that fire will stay lit, Lord God, so that we'll burn bright, Lord God, so that the world will see Christ in us, and that the world will see that there's something real in our life, God. So I want you to raise your hands one more time, and I want you to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, dying on the cross for my sins. I give you full control. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me clean and put a fire. Put the fire in my heart. Relight me again, Lord. Thank you, God, that you're an awesome God. And I'm expecting great things in my life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap, offering. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord wrap me in your arms. Oh, wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms. One more time. Wrap me in your arms. Oh, wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap in your arms. Amen. Tonight, 6:30. Get ready. For what God wants to do in your life. Now listen to me. Before you leave, I want you to spend some time in prayer this afternoon. Lock yourself away and spend some time hearing from God. Give somebody a big hug. We'll see you at 6:30 tonight. God bless you.